0: Hello and welcome to the Chondu Gaming Federation podcast. My name is Charlie and I'm joined here with Austin. Ayo! <laughs> <You're> just <laughs> trying to make yourself known there, huh? We are talking today about some overlooked games on what is my favorite gaming console of all time, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, also called the SNES.
1: Or Super Famicom.
0: Yeah, who calls it that? Well, <laughs> I- Wiiaboos? Yeah. <laughs> uh, manga Fanatics? Almost no one uses that terminology, but it is the Famicom in Japan, Right. known as the SNES in the United States. And this, I think, we, is it your favorite Nintendo console of all time too, or just mine? Yeah,
1: I mean, well, as we uh, discovered in preparing for this, I realized there were a lot less games. You know, I mean, I was playing Genesis a lot at the time, and I think maybe GameCube might be... My favorite. Well, and Switch. I
0: yeah. don't
1: know, but there's so many good games on the SNES. It's just such a hard hitting system and it hits you right in the feels with nostalgia. And uh some of the best you know, the best IPs Nintendo has to offer had possibly, arguably some of their best releases on that system.
0: Not to mention a lot of them had their inception on the SNES, including Mario Kart. I mean there's a ton of yeah. games began on the SNES and are still really popular today. Yeah. So definitely
1: just huge system.
0: Yeah. So we talked about SNES games and the SNES itself previously on our SNES mini podcast, which was, I guess, about a year and a half ago or so around the time that the SNES mini was announced. And that was pretty exciting. I thought that of the mini consoles, that's kind of the pinnacle in my mind. There's there's still discussion now about uh, an N64 classic, which it looks like it's pretty likely they'll actually do. Right, But I'm not sure that's going to be... First of all, N64, I think, really pales in comparison to SNES. The controller's weird. Not as many classic games. They're going to run into a lot of licensing issues. GoldenEye, unlikely to be on there. Yeah, which is like a major omission. Major omission. But the SNES Mini also had a couple omissions. In our last podcast, we talked about a few of those. Chrono Trigger was the big one, which a lot of people were talking about. Uh, NBA Jam was missing. Final Fantasy II these are some of my favorite games. Act Razor is another yeah. one, which I kind of, you know, had to think about:
1: is this actually an
0: overlooked game? Did you ever play Act Razor?
1: I only briefly played it actually at the time that we were doing that podcast and checked it out, and seems really cool. Uh, just in looking into things for this podcast, it came up on people's lists. That makes sense. So it's uh, kind of
0: like right on the border yeah. of an overlooked game, I think, because a lot uh, of people appreciate it. It's not hard to find people like who are cult fans classic. of it. I guess so. You know, I'm not sure. Like it's maybe it's like right on the board border of that. I think it's like it's a fringe cult classic. It's basically for anyone unfamiliar. One of the first SNES games ever released in November 1990, just a few months after the SNES came out in August of that year in the United States. It has a really unique combination of action and city building mechanics. So it's also it's a side scrolling action platformer game. And it's also sort of a civilization style city builder.
1: Which is weird
0: and cool. Pretty weird. Yeah. It's pretty weird, to be honest. You play as the master, who's God, basically, and you're fighting against Satan. It's kind of really heavy, biblical vibes. Anyway, Act ActRaiser, a really cool game. That's one of the emissions that was notable on the SNES Mini, but the SNES Mini, I feel, was a great value. I know a couple people who have it, you know, pretty cool to have, although... I think we both agree that a Raspberry Pi or Switch is much better. Way better. Because you can load infinite games on it and you have access to other platforms also.
1: And the Switch is portable.
0: Yeah. I have installed a RetroArch on my Switch. Do you have that on there? Yeah. Fantastic, right? So cool. Works perfectly. Yeah. SNES, I find, is basically the only console I've been playing. Mm. but that it it's just is my favorite so you know maybe there's not too much to look into that but
1: me as well actually with uh you know with some of the other consoles like Saturn or PlayStation or stuff you run into a couple issues just with setting up the BIOS and all of that stuff and finding the correct BIOS and the correct file of um you know, the game that you want to play and it, run everything. And it's just a little bit more problematic than things that Super Nintendo, Nintendo Genesis was. So yeah,
0: it just couldn't be simpler with something like the SNES. And I feel like that's at a good level where, I mean, you could play Atari games or even like Commodore games on Switch if you wanted to, but those games are so old and so bad. (laughs) I mean, they're simple and easy to play, but just not that enjoyable for me not for more than like a minute at most like one minute yeah, exactly like one minute exactly after 60 seconds you're like well got everything i want out of this one but snes also has that that ease of use where you can just load the game it just runs perfectly the games look great they were great it's just a a great era of gaming the 16-bit era i think and then once once you got into like early 3d less good (laughs) i think it aged less less well
1: well i think You know, us commenting on the Atari right there. Early 2D games, you know, just early games in general did not look that great. Super Nintendo was at the time where it was like the pinnacle of that. They had mastered that art. There were some beautiful games. uh, You know, the, the, the tunes and sound effects and everything were, you know, well done. And everything worked so well together. And then right after that was the beginning of the 3D era. Or I mean, at least, you know, in a widely commercially available sense. And, you know, it was a little bit janky around the edges, so it was pretty it, bad. Yeah. I mean, it was
0: it was kind of like a cheap gimmick, you yeah. know, and everything was kind of shoehorned into three D. Even a lot of games that didn't even fit into that. And it just didn't work that great. I mean, and a lot of much loved series were made three D in sort of an artificial way which didn't really work so well some worked really well you know like mario like mario (laughs) you know mario 64 like that's an example of one which worked brilliantly in 3d but a lot of games didn't make that transition very successfully and even for games that did i think that the 2d era is my favorite um i like a lot of series that have gone from 2d to 3d like metroid Metroid. yeah or zelda you know I, i kind of favor the 2d ones in general i'd say Even even though they did work
1: in 3D as well. I mean, you you have said, I think, on several occasions that A Link to the Past is your favorite Zelda, right? Probably. Yeah, and that's understandable, I think. Personally, for me, I might go with Ocarina of Time, but uh, you were a little bit older than me. When I was playing A Link to the Past the first time, I was like... A little bit young to really like get deep into it and appreciate it, you know. And Ocarina yeah. of Time was like right when I was at about an age to really be critical of a game and like wrap my head around it. And like I obsessed over that game,
0: yeah. A lot of the experience is about you know where you are in your life, how you right. experience it the first time, all that stuff has a great impact on you know how you evaluate the game, and all this stuff is heavily related to nostalgia of course totally even though many of these SNES games you can go back and play now for the first time and i think find a lot of enjoyment in
1: absolutely because the gameplay's so tight and you know i mean also just retro themed games have yeah. been made a huge i mean shovel knight the messenger uh stardew valley katana zero yeah so there's so many there's such a long yeah. list could go up. We could just like spend the next 15 minutes just naming games off.
0: Yeah, just retro 8 and 16 bit games. There's yeah. such a long list of those. But I mean, in a lot of cases, the originals just almost can't be beaten. You know, Secret right. of Mana, a Super Metroid, Super Mario Worlds. Uh, Final Fantasy 2 and 3, NBA Jam, Chrono Trigger. Yeah. I mean, there's such a long list of
1: untouchable tier games on the SNES. I mean, NBA Playgrounds is pretty cool, pretty fun, but I mean, it just didn't hit the same way that Jam did. Of
0: course not. I mean, nothing hit the way that NBA Jam did. Yeah. And you could say that for, I think, all the games in that list. But I mean, games like Final Fantasy, you know, Final Fantasy 2, Final Fantasy 3, Chrono Trigger, NBA Jam, Super Mario World, These are the games which probably everyone listening to this already knows about. Right. So we wanted to highlight some other games which are maybe lesser known in this podcast.
1: games.
0: Yeah, so I've got a list of those here, and I'm not sure if you've played many of these. Uh, I'm going to guess that you're familiar with probably 80% of them.
1: Right. I mean, I'm familiar with a lot of games, but my whole issue was uh, we were trying to come up with a list of games that we had played. And uh, I realized I didn't play a ton of super obscure games. I did play a handful, some of which I emulated, actually. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we can get into it, you know? Yeah. What do you got first on your list? So my first one is Terranigma. Oh, that is obscure. What is that? Okay, so it wasn't actually released in North America, but it was localized. That explains why I have no familiarity with it. Right, and this is one that I had to emulate, obviously. It uh, was developed by Enix and released in 1995, but it was never officially released in North America because Enix had already closed its U.S. subsidiary before uh, it had been localized into English. And is it... it Typical Enix game like uh, RPG. It's uh, it is, it's kind of like Chrono Trigger or like Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. Uh, overhead, you know, um, just action RPG. Oh, and, interesting. And the story is pretty cool. It's about like two different worlds. There's uh, it's got like pretty heavy kind of religious themes. You're playing as a character named Ark and uh like noah's ark yeah okay and there's uh two different worlds the light side and the dark side oh zelda yeah so it's got like a lot of similarities to other games but it has been cited by many to be one of the best rpgs on the system no kidding yeah so it was localized like fan localization or no it was officially localized by enix but they so that i think it got released in Europe. But didn't get released in America. Interesting, yeah. So uh, it's not. It wasn't an easy game for me to track down. I was like on a heavy like SNES like binge em- on emulation in middle school, and I like found that game and played it. Then and it was really enjoyable for me. Just like uh, I don't know, getting to play games that I didn't have a chance to play you know? And, uh, that was exciting to me. That's pretty cool. It sounds a lot like Zelda. Is it really like that? Or is it
0: just kind of mechanically
1: similar? Um, it's kind of mechanically similar, but you have like some different abilities and stuff, but like this story, there's so much more emphasis on the story in the game, just as like, you know, a lot of Enix, you know, RPGs go. So
0: yeah. Zelda's not so big on story.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, it leaves a lot it's got, like, kind of a vague story open to your own interpretation of it. And, right. And uh, Terra Enigma is, like, a really, like, in-depth story that's cool. I, I, like, I haven't played it recently, but when I was a kid, I thought it was a really, really just enjoyable story, as, you know, you have with, like, you know, other games from that era, like Final Fantasy Four, right? Four in
0: Japan, two yeah. in the States,
1: yeah. Yeah. So...
0: Pretty cool. The first one on my list is Legend of Mystical Ninja. Mm. Do you ever play that?
1: Is that Gomon?
0: Yeah, it's called Gomon in Japanese. It's a 1992 Konami game, and it's a really humorous game. It's a little bit like The Messenger. Super humorous. Yeah, The the Messenger is a modern retro, you know, neo-retro game, 8 and 16-bit, which has a lot of humor, which is a little bit reminiscent of Mystical Ninja, I think.
1: Well, there were like... I don't know, like 16 plus titles in the Gomon series. And this is one of like four that we got in North America, right? Um,
0: Yeah, I think there were, let's see, I played three of them. I'm not sure about the fourth, but they were basically, I think all flops. In North America, I think
1: none of them went very well in terms of sales. I loved the N64 one so much, but I never played this one on the Super Nintendo.
0: I think the Super Nintendo one is by far the best. Um, I tried them all. I'm not sure if my opinion is unusual, but it's a really brilliant action RPG game and it's deeply rooted in medieval Japanese culture. And I think that Konami had a difficult time figuring out how to market it in the West.
1: It's understandable. It's like really weird. It's, it's very Japanese. Weird.
0: Yeah, but also at that time, you know, in the mid-1990s when this was released, there was so much popularity around Japanese culture in the United States, around manga, especially. Um, the same time as like Akira, Ninja Scroll. Yeah, you know, all these kind of things were really popular. I think sort of right on the edge of like mainstream popularity in the United States.
1: Yeah, you'd think a group of people would have like got it, like at least a large enough group of people would have been interested in that to make it successful.
0: Right. So yeah, really quirky game, really interesting insight into Japanese culture. You know, I think you don't play a lot of SNES games, which make you feel like you're in Japan. This is one of those, you know, one of those on Dreamcast is Shenmue, you know, where you're playing the game and you feel like this is like an authentic insight into culture. Ni- 1980s Japan. Yeah, yeah exactly. Legend of the Mystical Ninja is like that. It feels like no Westerner was involved in any part of the design of that game in, gonna, in kind of an interesting way.
1: Sounds like a game to put on my Switch.
0: Yeah, it's a great game to play on your Switch.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, I didn't have a Super Nintendo at the time. Never thought to put that on my emulator, but I loved the N64 one so much, which also were still, you know, maintaining that very Japanese vibe.
0: Yeah, I think it was a friend of mine that bought the game, and then I traded for it, or he loaned it to me for an extended period or something. I don't think I bought it, but I played a lot of it. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, really good game. Legend of Mystical Ninja. Quirky, weird.
1: Good one. Right up my alley, then.
0: Yeah, what do you got next? Clock Tower. Oh, yeah, this one's well-known. Yeah. This is a cult favorite.
1: Yeah, and uh, this was kind of, uh, I guess, kind of like sort of set the stage for you know help or help set the stage for resident evil was a little bit before resident evil yeah and it got more well known on the playstation a lot of people don't realize that the first title was originally released on the super nintendo it was released 1995 by human entertainment and uh the inspiration from the first clock, to title came from watching Italian film director, Dario Argento's horror films. Okay. Uh, and you're evading this antagonist called scissor man. Who's <laughs> like this little child chasing you with this, or not really like just a little man chasing you with these like ridiculously oversized scissors. Um, it's kind of, it was creepy to it's me. It's scary, when I, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's supposed to be scary. Uh I wouldn't put it in the same... Vi- it's not like playing Resident Evil 7 or anything. It's on a Super Nintendo, you know? Yeah. But it's creepy. Uh It's kind of more like a point-and-click adventure game than, you know, like, uh say, Resident Evil is or something. But, like, you know, in that era... We didn't have much else, you know? Yeah, the way is, that, is
0: this one that you had or like you had a friend had or how'd you the play
1: Emulator it? again, dude. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get my own Super Nintendo until I was like maybe 12 or 13. Okay. Yeah, and I like got Mario RPG, Chrono Trigger... Uh, I got like Zelda, like mainstream titles for it. And I played all my obscure stuff on an emulator when I was in middle school. Yeah, that makes a lot of
0: sense because a lot of these games were difficult to come by at the time. Right. I had one friend who was Chinese and had a father who went to Hong Kong on business. And he would come back periodically with all sorts of weird games. But they were pretty much all in Chinese. So it was like difficult to <laughs> yeah. play them or understand them. Or, you know, they, they were just like weird, like oddball games. So if only the one, yeah. I kept
1: those because you play that you could play that now and understand
0: you're probably right I mean they'd probably be traditional Chinese it wouldn't be easy for uh-uh. me but yeah I, I could I guess that is an interesting idea though those games are probably worth like a fortune now or something
1: yeah maybe so like yeah. 30 years
0: old anyway Clock Tower cool have, is that one that you've played recently
1: have you gone back to it Man, no, I haven't played that since middle school. And I don't know if I really want to. I really enjoyed it as a. I mean, actually, it might be fun. And I remember not too long ago hearing some things about how there was a way that you could finish the game like early, but it would just lead to your death. Like ev- a lot of things just lead to your death, but it would be like an end to the game.
0: Yeah, I've so, seen that game mentioned uh, a significant number of times. I think that game still has quite a following in a, I, of like a
1: cult sort of nature well i mean the last game to be released was on the ps2 which is not that long ago but that's i think the third title in the series and didn't have the series director involved which leon has gone on and on with both of us and others about how just a series creator leaving its project often kind of destroys the series and that's what most people have said about clock tower that, that the first two games are like stellar and the third one is just a complete flop
0: interesting okay yeah
1: but i if i did revisit clock tower i think they remade it for the ps1 i would want to play that one cool yeah next on my list is zombies ate my neighbors that's not really obscure is it it's a uh, right on the edge i guess All it's right. a
0: little bit of a question of how obscure is it you know mm-hmm. it's made by lucas arts which i think everybody knows lucas arts maybe they were shut down now they're sort of coming back it seems are they? Yeah. How
1: are? Because of Disney. Yeah, because of Disney. Hmm. I don't know how to feel about that. But they were great back in the day. And yeah, Zombies they were and great my back in My the neighbor was day. awesome. It and, was definitely awesome and ridiculously hard.
0: Yeah, this I, the games which you've mentioned so far are like real obscure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, em, I emulated this like Japanese import. You know, so perhaps we have like different degrees of obscurity here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's why I was like, I don't think I, I mean, I was looking at games like Zombies Ate My Neighbors and I'm like, no, that's mainstream. I can't <laughs> mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think this is a game that, uh, I mean, it wasn't
0: on the SNES Classic. It's not even like, if they were to, to expand that to like 60 games, I think it probably wouldn't even be on there. Yeah. Which is a shame because it should be on there. But uh, this is a game which I feel like is not discussed that much. It's a great game. We hosted
1: a a game night with it once, we did. We played this at a
0: CGF event. So I I was 100% certain that this was a game you were familiar with. Yeah. It's a 1993 release. It came out a couple years after the SNES launched. And LucasArts was actually known for more than cranking out Star Wars games. Yeah. Who would have known that? There's no Star Wars tie-in. There's uh, nothing to do with... uh, Star Wars at all in this game which is pretty cool especially since it turned into such a great game. And it's a pretty innovative game. It's a top-down shooter and it takes place in your backyard and you're well, jumping over beginning. you're jumping over fences and you're going into neighbors yards and you're using water pistols and all sorts of strange guns. You're jumping on trampolines. You
1: have uh, water balloons. It's a real quirky weird zombie game. I would say later it gets really challenging because I would almost compare it to ToeJam & Earl in the sense that you get items and weapons that you don't necessarily know what they do or whether or not like this enemy is weak to this item type and things like that. It's really challenging. I actually first played that game with my babysitter when I was like... You know, like five years old or something.
0: Yeah, this is like the third or fourth time you mentioned your babysitter yeah. on this
1: podcast. Yeah, she,
0: she must introduce. We need to get her on a guest. Uh,
1: yeah, totally. <laughs> she's who got me into gaming. Like I, like I started gaming because she would come over and bring her NES, and I got started on Zelda and Mario because of her. Then she got a Super Nintendo, and my birthday was coming up, and my grandma offered to buy me a console. And that was during the whole period with like Sega competing with like uh, Nintendo and being like, you know, they had their clever marketing campaign and it really got in my head, you know, as a, you know, very easily manipulated child. <laughs> so if you were were to pick Genesis versus NES. Uh I mean, I spent more time with Genesis and I don't regret it, but I mean, I think... As an adult, I would have chosen Super Nintendo. Good. Reasonable. Good answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you get next on your list? Uh, Blackthorn. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's Blizzard. Blizzard, that's right. This is uh, 1994, and uh, it's similar to other games like uh, Another World and Flashback. I actually played it a little bit on computer before later playing the Super Nintendo version, which, I don't know, when I was a kid, that was such a, like, dark, yeah, mature... Very mature. A lot of atmosphere for SNES A lot NES of game. atmosphere, yeah. And uh, just really, like, Blizzard did a really good job, you know? I mean, they kind of always have up until recently with... Making some more questionable decisions, but we'll Is leave that, that
0: for another. That's one you played
1: actually back in the day? Um, I played it probably... Yeah, I played it about maybe like 95, 96. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I ever beat it. It was like really... Too hard for me as a child.
0: Yeah, honestly, a lot of the, beating a lot of these games <laughs> was really difficult. I'm, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, going if back
1: I... to Zombies ain't My Neighbors, near impossible.
0: Yeah, I never even. I don't think I came close to beating that game. Yeah, I don't even know what, what the, where the end is or what it looks like. And I played it a lot.
1: Yeah, but uh Thorn, I think, is definitely a little bit more obscure. That's before Blizzard, you know, became what it is today. Uh, It's well before Starcraft or Warcraft had become a thing. So uh, describe the game It's comparable to, say, like another world or flashback or even like the old Prince of Persia games, like in regards to movement mechanics where it's not like, you know, you have a slow step and then the running. You know, uh, some very careful platforming sections, and uh, you could, like, take cover behind things and shoot, like, these uh, demons with shotguns, and I think you were playing as, like, a... uh... Demons with shotguns, you say? Yeah. Okay. It's another good game. (laughs) Did you accidentally just reference that? (laughs) Totally
0: accidental. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, Blackthorn is a stylish game.
1: It's now actually free. Blizzard released it as a free download on their, their website.
0: Oh, yeah. They do that with a lot of games. Yeah, they did Go that with that
1: and Lost Vikings. Lost Vikings. That's yeah. a great one, too. Also Blizzard.
0: Yeah. 1993 SNES. Yeah. That's another good Overlook game, actually. Yeah.
1: I never played that one, actually, so I'll have to check that one out. Oh, it's really good. It's yeah. a little
0: bit like a puzzle version of Lemmings. Lemmings? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's um very unique. I don't know if there's another game I played that's That's just like Lost Vikings. A lot of character. It's almost uh, cartoon-like. It's good.
1: Cool. I'll have to check it out for sure. Yeah. Uh, What do you got? Blackthorn. So next, uh, I got uh, Sparkster. Woo-hoo. Wait, um, so we've talked about that one before. Right? Uh, well, no, not really, actually. No,
0: I don't think we've ever mentioned it before, but we did talk about a game which is sort of tangentially related to <gasps> it, which
1: is Rocket, Rocket Knight Night. Adventures. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. See, I should have brought up Sparkster. I confused them when I was preparing for this. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, Sparkster came uh,
0: one year after Rocket Knight Adventures. Rocket Knight was 1993 on the Sega Genesis. And actually, it was Rocket Knight, which I probably played more than yeah. Sparkster. But I played them both. They're both just such brilliant
1: games. They uh, are. Yeah. I Great think, movement mechanics. Yeah.
0: Just quick, fun, uh, bright colors. Tons of exciting. character. Yeah. Tons of character. Looks really cool. Plays really well. A uh, whole lot of fun. Holds up really well. This is one that, unfortunately, we haven't played in an event since it's just a single player game. Yeah. Which is a bit of a shame. But really good and uh, really similar to Rocket Knight Adventures. Yeah. So I'm not sure that this is one which like really distinguishes the SNES in particular. Right. But um, if you are looking for an overlooked uh, platformer game on this NES, I think this is one of the best ones. Mm.
1: So uh, this is the last one that I've, and I haven't really, I wanted to make, I have two others that I haven't, I've discovered, but this is one, the last one that I have any personal experience with. Never played this, but I thought I should mention it. Boogerman.
0: Oh, yeah, based on the um, Howard Stern character. It is? Yeah. I don't even know that. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, it's like the yellow suit with like the black hair and the top hat. Right. Yeah, that's Howard Stern.
1: So I wanted, desperately wanted to play it as a child, and it had a warning on the box, and my parents wouldn't let me play it. So I never got to play it. And that was like my first experience as a gamer wanting to play something. That I couldn't play. So you were trying to buy it and they wouldn't let you? I was just trying to rent it. Wow. Back in the days of rentals. <laughs> so you never played it? Never played it. Never got around to it on my uh, on my emulation days. Did you read anything about it online? Uh, Just like that it was supposedly still enjoyable for its just sophomore comedy and like just you know, the whole juvenile nature, The I looked up at some videos of it and the platforming and all of it just looks like stupid fun, you know? And like, <laughs> I feel like I really missed out on something that like my young self would have enjoyed the hell out of, dude. You know, I think you might be holding that in high regard just because it was inaccessible to you. It might be. <laughs> I don't know. I still really like farts and burps quite a bit, so.
0: Yeah, Boogerman was a Howard Stern thing, which did not last <laughs> hmm. It was like a cool spot of of Howard Stern's
1: career. In terms Wait, of Wait, when you say cool spot?
0: Yeah, Cool Spot used to be the mascot for 7. 7 Up, Up. Exactly, that's what I Yeah, and you're for saying like, for Cool like,
1: Spot wasn't cool?
0: Cool Spot was cool for like a few years and now no one even really knows what it is. He also got a game. Also one that's almost forgotten just like <laughs>
1: Boogerman. Yeah. Okay. So I probably did. I probably didn't miss out on. <laughs> you, much. you
0: maybe could have selected the Domino's Pizza game. There's like a the Domino's
1: sp- <laughs> Pizza game. Yeah, there
0: is. I think it's an SNES game too. Oh my god. It's um the mascot from Domino's Pizza.
1: Wait, there's a mascot for Domino's Pizza? Yeah, there is. Oh my god. I can't I'm recall the name right so now. So much today. There's a lot of like gimmick. His, his games. name was probably Domino.
0: There's. A, I think it might have been. Yeah. There's a lot of gimmick <laughs> games like that on SNES, although not as many as there are on
1: the Wii. Or what about you know Burger King's Xbox games? Do those exist? Is that something? Yeah, there were like three or four. There was like a Sneak King, where you would play the king and you would sneak around and steal people's burgers. <laughs>
0: sneak King.
1: And there was a Pocket King or something or pot There you were like a, it was like arcade Moto GP with like Burger King characters. Wow, that sounds like one that is.
0: Probably not worth playing.
1: They were actually supposedly really
0: good. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right, then. Well, uh, I got a couple more on my list. And uh, some of these are are maybe, you know, right on the edge of Overlooked. Uh,
1: Pilot Wings was a launch game. I think that, you know, Super Mario World really kind of took all the thunder. not really obscure, though. It's pretty well known and got a sequel on the 64 and a sequel on the DS. Sequel
0: is not nearly as good as the original, in my opinion. I think the original was fantastic I on SNES.
1: The the 64 one was fantastic, in my opinion.
0: Really better than the SNES one? Comparably as good. Wow, okay. Uh, the SNES one was just pretty much mind-blowing at the time because it used the Mode 7 graphic effects.
1: It's true. That was mind-blowing at the time.
0: And, yeah, just a really great launch game. Although, I feel like it's definitely overlooked because... You know, when people talk about the best games on the SNES, no one mentions Pilot Wings, basically. Um, it's very seldom mentioned because there are so many games which have aged so well and everybody always talks about. Maybe Pilot Wings hasn't aged as well as the rest of them. I mean, it hasn't aged as poorly as like Star Fox, for example, which is right. just terrible now. But Pilot Wings is really good. Super Castlevania 4 is another one. Probably my favorite Castlevania game of all time after <laughs> Symphony of the Night.
1: I don't know if Super Castlevania 4 is obscure either. That was like a pretty popular game, wasn't it? I'm not saying obscure. I said overlooked. Okay. It's a great game. Yeah, great
0: game, great music. It's a little bit similar to Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night is like a much larger, more
1: expanded version, like an open world sort of version. Super Castlevania 4 also did some like really cool things with graphical effects where like you'd maybe be walking down a hallway and the hallway would like curve you know, where they would do this interesting yeah. effect with, like, parallax animation or whatever. Yeah. So thought that was just, like, you know, mind-blowing to see, like, as a, you know, kid seeing those kind of effects. Plus the whip physics. You could, like, hold down the whip,
0: yeah. the <laughs> whiplash, and just, like, move it around. So Silly things like that were just, like, so much fun back
1: in the day. Totally enjoyable. Yeah. Super Tennis. Do you play that one? No, but that sounds cool.
0: Beautifully simple. Just, I mean, like a masterpiece of minimalism. No amount of moves to remember, just straightforward tournament mode. Rewards with nothing except for the joy of playing the game, basically. Uh, Nothing even close to any kind of creative character functionality. It's just one of the best tennis games ever because it's so simple. Mm. Four buttons for four different types of shots, which are affected by where you are in the court. Uh, Swerve that can be applied with the shoulder buttons. And that's basically it. It's just so simple. It works so well. Pretty cool. Super Smash TV, another one really simple. Oh, man.
1: So I thought about bringing that one up. That is like a fantastic game. I still like that game today. I play it every now and then whenever I like emulate anything. I think it's, yeah, it's a 1992 game, which
0: is an arcade port.
1: It was developed by
0: Williams. It's basically a twin stick shooter before consoles came with analog sticks. Yeah. And it's, uh, so you use the D pad to move your character around and then use the four buttons on the right to yeah. fire in different directions. And man, it was just so ahead of its time, you know what I mean? To not even have dual analog sticks, but to have that type of game. Yeah. Really ahead of its time.
1: That was just like rewarding game, super challenging, but like fun mowing down tons of enemies. Yeah. Another one, which is one of my favorites is rock and roll racing,
0: which is another blizzard game. Oh, really? Yeah. The third hmm. blizzard game mentioned. Uh, Blackthorn Lost Vikings, now Rock and Roll Racing. Rock and Roll Racing is an isometric racing game. It's very similar to RC Pro-Am on the uh-huh. NES. And it's actually a sequel to a game which I played very briefly, which is RPM Racing on SNES. And the RPM stands for Radical Psycho Machine. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's That's like, totally it's, 90s. It's like offensively yeah. 90s. <laughs> um, and so Rock and Roll Racing got its logic and AI engine from uh RPM racing, but Rock and Roll Racing has a bitchin' soundtrack. Uh has like sixteen bit recreations of like Bad to the Bone and like Leonard Skinnerd and like all these like classic rock songs which are like in sixteen bit and
1: they're just so incredibly charming. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, pretty cool.
1: The soundtrack's awesome. Wonder if that's available for free download on their site.
0: Uh that's a great question. Have to look I have into no that. idea. Yeah, I you know I don't think it is. I think it's not for some reason. I remember seeing Blackthorn available, but I don't think that Rockman Racing. Is.
1: All right, Emulation Station.
0: Yeah, get RetroArch going on your Switch. If you're listening this and you have a Switch, you should definitely consider cracking the Switch if it's vulnerable. If you have any interest in doing that, you can listen to a couple of podcasts which we recorded on the subject of hacking your Switch. And I think in those podcasts, maybe the latter of those two, we talked about installing RetroArch and right. NSO files and getting emulation working on the Switch.
1: Yeah. Uh, I have a couple other titles I just wanted to mention that I discovered today that I think I would like to check out in the near future. Have you heard of Demon's Crest? Yeah, that
0: one's like a cult classic. Also. Yeah, that
1: looks awesome. Just where it's a spinoff of the one of the bosses from uh, Ghosts and Goblins, right? right? Right. Yeah, that looks really cool and you play as the demon yeah That just what a cool idea for a game and also evo search for eden
0: oh yeah that's like spore
1: yeah but like years before spore right way to go just stealing ideas from older games is that will write right will yeah. write
0: creator of the sims
1: yeah so uh both of those games are ones i'm interested in checking out maybe i'll put those on the switch
0: Nice. I'm interested in the ones you mentioned, Terra and Clock Tower.
1: Yeah, definitely check out both of them. They're worth checking out. So
0: cool. So before we wrap this up, what have you been playing recently?
1: Um, well, still on that Mortal Kombat binge, and uh, you know, just unlocking more fatalities, playing online. We Mortal did... Kombat
0: 11. Just more... real quick, how do you feel about it?
1: Uh, the story mode was surprisingly amazing. It was like a really enjoyable story mode, good pacing, good writing, not too campy, uh excellent animation. The combat itself is fantastic, the roster is pretty good, and the different online modes are good. Crypt is not as good as 10, but uh I mean it's not terrible. It's just feels a little bit weird. You know, the randomness of it is, yeah. and just doesn't really have enjoyable puzzles or anything compared to, like, what Ten's Crypt did. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, overall, I'm just enjoying the heck out of it. It's, like, uh just brutally satisfying. And uh, then I am working my way through The Witness. Yep. Which is fantastic. I kind of... Jonathan Blow. yeah. Kind of wish I had got started on it sooner, but I'm in a good head place to, like, really be patient with the puzzles, which are, like, sometimes, like, really just have very abstract solutions that you would never think of. You know, you definitely need to sit down and take some time with it. It's not just, like, something you're going to blow through. Right. Jonathan blow through. Jonathan blow through that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. I've been playing through Cuphead again on the Switch. I... Got all the way up to the final boss. And the then, second
1: time, right?
0: Well, I, I played it on Steam, and I got to the final boss, and he's just so damn hard. I just kept trying over and over to beat him. I couldn't do it. Don't I, give up. Well, I got distracted by something. You know, I never, like, finished the game. I got to, like, the last step and never finished it. Just
1: don't start a new game until you beat it. It's the second time This was, like,
0: oh, two years ago. Well, you... I'm talking about in the past, okay? Okay. Now, I'm playing Cuphead, and I'm, like two levels away from the final boss. I'm like right near the end of the game. And I've gone by twice as fast with like half of the frustration and struggle. Right. I mean, it's a pretty enjoyable frustration to be honest. It's a brilliant game. Yeah. Cuphead is one of my favorite games of the last 3 years, no question. Cool. So, I've really enjoyed this playthrough. It's perfect on the Switch. Yeah. I mean, it runs flawlessly. It looks amazing. It's so much fun. It's so challenging. It's so charming. The The graphics are incredible. The sound is fantastic. The gameplay is satisfying and substantial. It's just, I mean, nearly a perfect game for me.
1: Right, cool. So
0: really enjoying that on Switch, and I'm determined to beat it this time. And I'm feeling good about my chances of doing that, especially since it's been so much easier on this second run.
1: Absolutely. Good luck.
0: Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you are interested in checking out previous episodes, you can find them on our website at chundugaming.com. You can also download them in whatever app you're listening to this podcast with. If you have any comments, you can contact us through our website. And thank you for listening.
1: Later.